Wild. Time for a start show. Struggle to feed audience. Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords and ladies. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely, for you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multiplanar empire of Valadros and the Wavens. I am your host proprietor, Romande Zwarfinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty Sided Theatre. Dancing lights! The curtain rises, and we rejoin our heroes. Are we really going through all this again? Well, what else would you call a group of adventurers who have killed not one, but two dragons that had been harassing people? Only the potato dragon was harassing people. Aether Sidreen was trying to give you guys a warning. Voice? Are we people? Well, yeah... I mean, we're pretty inclusive and open-minded here with our definition of people. And when someone stops you in your daily travels to talk to you about something that they, and only they, are interested in or worried about, wouldn't you call that harassment? Yeah, I suppose it's a relatively small type of harassment, but it still qualifies. Well, under those definitions, we are people who were harassed by that dragon. Ipso facto, ergo, QED, etc. Heroes. God damn it, fine. You're still heroes. It is my pride and joy to introduce your evening's heroes. Oh, and voice, don't think for one second that I missed you pronouncing heroes with a lowercase h. Just get on with it, Bard. It is my pride and joy to introduce your evening's heroes. Scotalia's own insufferable bastards. Imanand Shenouda, known throughout the Empire as the Weaponsmith. He serves as president and spokesman of the Shenouda Necromancy Corporation. This mummified human wizard is ever accompanied by his skeletal cat familiar, Bastet. Ah, it is so satisfying to be back on the prime material plane. My experiments went off without a hitch, and just today I have received a package from the Grand University of All Knowledges. They wish me to experiment with organisms from the plane of Plutonium. The terrible, towering Maldreth the Impious the ogre-blooded patriarch of the Church of War, dedicated to Makar, the father of strife. 
Where is that idiot druid? He was supposed to send me a list of the richest ore veins running throughout the Artsus Mountains to the south. Now how am I supposed to supply all of the chains for the redecoration of St. Turbulus' home for orphanable children? The new addition to my team, Steve the Chameleon Pie Rabbit. Thoroughly odorless, colorless, and deadly. This outside place is amazing! I never thought I'd get to see a real live town. Look, it's even got a wall around it, and a public house, and everything. Issa Featherfoot, Pengonquin Princess. A seven-foot-tall, shape-shifting penguin assassin. She is attended by her faithful and oft-missing bodyguard, the mysterious Tuxedo Beak. Mm, nothing tastes better than my mom's Sahagin surprise rolls. I'm so glad we're finally able to get fresh seafood again. Don't forget to leave room for a dessert Fishball had. Your mother, the Empress, sent you a batch of kelp muffins along with the sushi roll. Ugh, health food. Thrimlak Lenanian, a blindfolded elf sorcerer with a blackened potato perched on one shoulder and a reanimated stitched raven on the other. He is attended by his minions, Torea Marsvale, an undead paladin, and Sinome, his faithful gnome skeleton valet. Come along, Torea! Yes, Lord Thrimlak. You too, Lorimar! Cock! You got it, boss! Ugh. And Sonome, I guess. I promised I wouldn't be mad at you for the family thing anymore, but if you're ever going to be able to protect Thrimlet and Sonome Jr., then I'll have to toughen you up a bit! Yes, Mofter. And last, but certainly not least, yours truly, the incorrigible Romandes Wolfinde. Bard in extraordinaire, beloved of quadrillions, the light of every dawn. Bard, shut up. An elven bard of pan-dimensional acclaim. But you already knew that, didn't you? Lords and ladies of my beloved audience, recline upon your gilded seats, quaff your libations, adjust your listening devices to receive the full panoply of Poco a Poco primary melodies, and please, thoroughly enjoy your evening at the 20-sided theater. So, it's been about three months since you've returned from your travels to the Plain of Potatoes, the Arena of Autorap, and the Gates of Dawn. Aside from a second blood-red sun that rises in the west about four hours after the usual one goes up in the east, nothing seems too terribly different in Scotland. Uh, does anybody have any business that they need to attend to? I need to open five portals at once and send three walking eyes at Sonome through four of them before taking Torea with me through the last one. I'll spend a few hours walking back and forth through all these portals, then I'm off on wizard business. I'll be back in three weeks, and if any other version of me shows up before then, he's an evil clone or a multiversal counterpart or something, so you should definitely kill him. Oh, and knock Sonome's left shin out from under him if he ever shows up anywhere, ever. What are you doing? This looks like you're setting up for a gag for that spry cast with the fast motion underwear chases. What was that halfling's name? I sometimes 
him backstage in his dressing cell. I believe you are thinking of Benley Underhill, the only halfling ever to bring a smile to the Slaughter Lord's lips. I do enjoy those fast motion halfling underwear chases. The music is really what makes it work for me. Okay, sorry I asked. Let's skip ahead until we get to the next important part. <laughs> you all laughed at me. Nobody ever expected the inconsequential Romande Swarfinde to conquer this land and rule it with a fabulously engraved adamantine fist. Now, back to your loot lessons. Oops, too far. Uh, let's roll this back a bit. You all find yourselves in the Frozen Summit Crossplaner Bar and Grill one late afternoon some three and a half weeks later. Oh, hey guys, what do you want to drink? I got some really good specials on tap before the happy hour, like this dwarf or <coughs> a chondroplastic bearded human ale. Oh, hey Romande, you can take it the stage if you want. I mean, the fact that a local up-and-comer is already on their plane of music never seems to stop a you. Sounds good. Oh, I've never had a beverage so refreshing yet so intoxicating at the same time. Oh, you'll have to send me a whole keg of this stuff, Summit. It's all the more delicious for having been made by a contraplastic bearded humans and not by dwarves. The party settles in at their tables, drinking, gossiping, catching up on news, and an hour later, a hush settles over the bar, leaving only a squeaky door hinge and a shattering glass to be heard, as a ruffled, mangy penguin man waddles through the doorway. Isa, do you know this penguin? Work, you Imanond. Not all penguins know each other. The old stories say there are at least twelve tribes hidden around the world, possibly more. Wow. There's the 12 tribes that we know about, and there are stories that tell of a hidden 13. And I kind of remember the wise woman mentioning there's a 14th that we're not ever supposed to mention, or else Ankilani will fry us alive with his hex vision. Oh, and uh, when she was 17, my older sister, she left home with her tinfoil helm, claiming that she would someday find the double-secret 15th tribe of lost penguins. But we're pretty sure she was delusional. Yeah, if there are 12 to 15 tribes of penguins scattered around the world, and I'm from only one of those tribes, then how could I possibly know everybody in my species? A disturbance on stage catches everybody's attention, and you see the real source of the bar patron's discomfort. No, no, sorry, child. You'll never amount to anything. Maybe I'll let you sit behind the stage someday as a phantom musician. But sadly, as it stands, you simply do not have the chops. But, but, Uncle Rowe... My mom said that I'm supposed to practice playing while facing the audience. You know how bad stage fright can be. Mom says when you were little... And... Fine, fine. Shh, shh, quiet. You can have the stage. But remember, my dear Helaman Nisbet Alafinde, as I have told you before, the less you mention my sister, who happens to be your mother, the more likely I am to hire you as a permanent rhythm violinist. 
gods, I hate when Romande runs into his family. He doesn't even like the ones he likes. I've heard him say a bajillion times that his niece there is my favoritest next of kid, despite the fact that she gestated within Isriana. Gods, I hate this party. Hey guys, instead of running into even more of Romande's family members in an attempt to make the world seem more fleshed out, how about you turn your attention to the task at hand? A capital suggestion. I scan the bar for strangers that I might properly terrorize my flock into obedience and submission. Hmm. Well, that's not a person, but it's certainly eye-catching. Oh, God damn it! Your attention is violently distracted by the sudden appearance of a planar gate. Torrents of water immediately crash outward, flooding the bar. The water is swiftly followed by three two-foot-thick tentacles. The green-fleshed, many-suckered appendages flail wildly, knocking over tables and smashing glasses within 50 Imperial Linear Decibel markers of the portal. Macaw works in mysterious ways. Apparently it has been too long since my flock has engaged in unholy battle. By the clawed gauntlets of the Father of War, may this tentacle succumb to horrid wilting. Maldreth stretches out his hand to sign an unholy ward over the nearest tentacle. The flailing arm swiftly blackens, shrivels, and it wastes away to nothing. Hey, I don't want no trouble in my cross a plane of bar and green. It's gonna take the shambling mounds a long forever time to get this place back up to code. As a druid of the circle, it's my job to tend to the many creatures and plants that Mother Nature has seen fit to create. But if I'm attending, then I'm a gardener. A plant out of place is a weed, and an animal out of place is a pest. So it's my job to train nature to keep away the pests and the weeds. Plus, it'll speed up the cleaning of my bar if right now I cast a control of water. The water slows, then pauses in its path through the portal. After another half-second of tentacle flailing, the water flow reverses, forcing the other two arms back to wherever they came from. Within moments, the ILDM and a half of water that is pooled into the bar begins visibly draining upward through the planar gate. Still, you stupid human! What in the 17 hells do you think you're doing? I'm trying to come through and you just pushed a kraken into Spirit of the Swift Wind's face! <sighs> Despite my heightened flammability, I do not appreciate my ceremonial wrappings being doused in water. I shall rescue Thrimlock, only that I might teach him a lesson in gateway etiquette. Shenouda's forceful hand should retrieve him quite handily. An excellent choice of words, Imnon Gavara. I hate you both. Oh shit! Everybody hold on! Torea, you're steering! Of course, Lord Thrimlock. Spirit of the Swift Wind will carry us all to the saving, disembodied, ten-foot-wide hand sent to us by Master Shenouda. Good. It sounds like Thrimlock is on his way. Father Maldred. Would you care to help me prepare a suitable punishment for the blindfolded elf Magus? Oh, I have quite the list of penances for Thrimlock. Let's see, 
For the first on the list, you'll need half a bucket of rendered dire elk fat, three to six live carp, and a burlap sack. I believe I can fetch those items rather easily. I have a workshop down the street. I'll be back soon. Keep the animal-brained elf here until my return. Hang on, Lorelei. You've got gentlemen's reins, right? Be safe, Galura. Some of the sailors you hired look like they'd really rather sleep or play with the squiddle than go on a water slide. Sir Gnome, let me use the excess leather that buckles your armor closed to lash these two majestic stallions together. Yes, Torea. Here we go! The spirit of the swift wind in the second horse spill through the gateway, riding a wave of water that's being pushed by Kimonon's enormous magical hand. Sir Gnome hangs suspended between the two steeds, whose four riders cling on for dear life. All seven bodies crash to the floor. Okay, you're through. Now, Thrimlock, close the f***ing gate. No, 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 you can't. Kalori, you've got to tell them. They've, it's they've... okay, honey, it's, it's okay. They're going to be fine. Her, uh, her familiars are still on the other side of the gate. Oh, that's no problem. I'm a good with animals. What kind of precious little beasts are we talking about? Um, some hummingbirds and finches? Oh, that easy. You just need to sound like a worm wiggling through some bird seed. Or you need to cast a slightly modified versions of a southern nature's ally. Through the gateway, you can see the murk of seawater and the occasional dead sailor or a bit of flotsam drifting past. The brutal serenity of the shipwreck is soon disturbed by the appearance of 260 small birds diving into the water and making directly for the portal. You guys might want to duck. I didn't expect you would have this many familiars. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for saving my dear flocks. Oh, Mr. Peckby, you're all so... That looks like she's got all of them, so I'll just close the portal in case any more krakens are nearby. If you do not mind, Lord Thrimlock, I shall take my leave and guide Spirit of the Swift Wind and Gentlemen to the stables that I might unhitch Sir Gnome. Sounds good, Torea, but don't bother unhitching Sir Gnome. Just make sure the two horses get adjacent stalls, then he can hang over the wall between them and we'll save some time tomorrow. At once, Lord Grimlock. Come, Sir Gnome. Yes, Master. Yes, Torea. Um, my feet can't reach the floor. Well, Grimlock, you've earned yourself quite a penance for ruining Master Shenudo's wrappings. He'll be back soon with the trappings to begin your punishment. But I suppose this also means that you've provided us with the opportunity to best a Kraken in mortal combat, and such victories deserve celebratory sacrifices. Now, let's see who we can... Ah, that softly glowing elf that you brought through the portal should do the trick, but there's something familiar about the human woman standing beside her and the ruby-hilted sword hanging from her belt. My friend, you have returned! Isa, you're the only one of these assholes I'm ever glad to see. I kept your ruby-hilted sword nice and shiny for you. Thank you! But, uh, I'm a little confused since I still have my ruby-hilted sword. 
Then what the hell did I pick up from that watery, faceless pirate guy who claimed to have killed you? Oh, that guy? Nah, he, he chased me for a bit, but then he went to some necromancer to make an evil knockoff of my sword. But Lorelai and I figured it out and kicked his ass all in about 22 minutes, plus advertising breaks. Oh, I almost forgot to tell you guys! I'm the star of a hot new pay-to-scry adventure series that's being produced by some black hole-faced drone. That's awesome! I'm so happy for you. And as for that faceless pirate, whack that guy. We killed him, right in his face. Um, Penguin, that guy had no face. Exactly. So you killed him in his lack of a face? Yep, twice. All because we thought he killed Kalora. Well, fine. We would have killed him either way. But as Romande is so fucking fond of saying, this made a better story. Anyway, I'm pleased to make your acquaintance, Lorelai. What's your deal? Well, my mother was a celestial, and my father was a moon elf. I have studied the arts of sorcery, druidism, the lording or ladying over birds, and I am a third circle disciple of the radiant celestial dragon, Athersidrin the open-hearted. I believe in peace and non-violence in all forms. Oh, and I have this degree in veganism from the Imperial Institute of Peace and Joy. Ooh, documents! Give me here! Wow! It says here that you're a level two raw vegan! Ugh. Makar has no use for pacifists. Correction, Father Maldra. You have one use for pacifists. Hmm, good point. I suppose we'd better keep this one around until we really need the Warfather's aid. You're all talking too loudly. I can hear you idiots from my quaternary workshop down the street. Enough with the introductions and pleasantries. Somebody, take this bucket and this sack full of fish. Now, Kilora, it has been some time since our paths last crossed. You shall answer me this one query. Where is Gentleman? Oh, he's off in the stables with Terea and the Spirit of the Swift Wind. Then I shall withdraw to the stables forthwith, that I might outmaneuver Vroggle in his equine alliance. Come, Bastet. Bastet, leave that new-sized rat carcass alone. Ah, fine, if you're not going to eat it, then at least leave it on my doormat, that I might use its components later. Isa, why don't you give me a knowledge penguin tribes check? Okay. That strange raggedy penguin looks weird. He's got the thick feathers you typically see from the northern tribe of ice penguins, but he has the cold blue eyes that only come from those arsehole sky penguins. Lady Isa, you know what the prophecies of the moon eggs say about the one who hails from multiple penguin tribes. Well, that's why the penguins of old decided to break off and live in isolation. It could be incredibly dangerous to talk to this individual. No, Tuxie. That's close-minded and superstitious. As heir apparent to the Pengonquin Expanse, it is my duty and pleasure to welcome this penguin with open flippers. Cousin, how are you? <coughs> Other than in need of a bath and to have your clothes burned. <laughs> Oh, 
great lady, I am not worthy of such kindness. No one has ever embraced me so in all my life. My name is Luaka Waka. You see, since I was little, I have been told, as your manservant said, that I am the perfect embodiment of the rift amongst the various penguin tribes. I am accepted by neither the ice penguins to the north, nor the sky penguins in their city of cloud flows. Well, you're in luck, Luwak Erwaka, for under the guidance of Issa Featherfoot, the Pangonquin are becoming a progressive tribe of coastal penguins who live to the southwest, across the Great Sea. There, all penguins are equally welcome and valued. Except for those filthy kelp beaks, but they're ritually disfigured criminals and not really a tribe. Isn't that right, Tuxie, who has the cutest, shortest, roundest beak I've ever seen partially obscured by a domino mask? If all your tribe welcomes me as you do, then I shall follow you to the ends of the earth, Lady Featherfoot. I have traveled throughout the many lands of Ionathan, and I have been rejected by all penguins I came across. Ice penguins, sky penguins, forest penguins, even lava penguins. Lava penguins? Yeah, they're immune to damage by fire or heat, so they hang out in volcanoes, sitting atop rock birds that slowly melt into the magma. And when there's no rocks to sit on, they all go surfing. At least that's what the wise penguin said about them. Lava penguins also spend a lot of time hollowing out bowls and ramps in the rock birds, so they can skate for them when the lava surfing is bad. They scry out a week of extreme sport championships every four years or so to show their athleticism and prowess. And so that Catherdin Dromonde and the Great Horrible One make a tidy profit, I'd wager. Helima, stop sawing on that violin and show some fucking grace and decorum while you're on stage. Gods! I might as well put your brother up there to play the fucking spoons. Uh, yes. I've traveled all across the top of this world, and I have been rejected by every tribe I've met. I have heard rumors of white-feathered, black-bellied under-penguins who live beneath the mountains like dwarves. But I'm afraid of the dark, so I never seriously went looking for them. I know this is usually Frimlock's thing, but I think I have a new quest. I shall unite all these people, and I shall bring them under my sheltering flipper. I swear that before I die, I will be known across this land as the godmother of penguins. They're not really people, though, are they? How closed-minded of you, Steve. All who comprehend spoken, written, or otherwise complicated language structures could be considered people. For, as Father Makar teaches, war can only be made upon people. Otherwise, it's just hunting, pest elimination, or a symptom of sociopathy. Besides, if animal people aren't people, then you don't get a vote in the matter anyway, lizard. Wait, wait, wait. If that's the standard of personhood, then shouldn't gentlemen and spirit of the swift wind get to vote? I mean, they seem to be able to comprehend our relatively complex language bits. No, absolutely not. If we start considering Spirit of the Swift Wind a person, then it's a slippery slope towards Sarnome getting the vote. Sorry, Kalora, but gentlemen can't be allowed to vote either. 
We don't want Spirit of the Swift Wind to get horsey jealous. It's different from regular jealous. Well, if Sir Gnome is the people, Grimlock, then you aren't either. False. Elves always count as people, and thus always get a vote. Thrimlock Catherin there ensured his eternal enfranchisement when he cast away the icky bits that congealed into Threllis Lean. I thought you understood all of that. Uh, Catherin, I think you misspoke. You meant to say only elves count as people. Ahem. Amendment 8 to the Imperial Articles of Conglomeration clearly states... All beings shall be defined as persons, and thus granted all rights, privileges, and duties, as defined in Article 2, if they or their species are typically found to be able to craft and to make use of tools, and if they or their species are typically found to be able to converse in any spoken, written, performative, or otherwise transmissible language that includes a capacity to describe abstractions, emotions, and consequences. That's way more than elves, jackass! I have returned from my negotiations with gentlemen. He accepted the carrots I grew in the grave soil of my deadly departed cadaver collector. But when I offered to make him a great and powerful horse lich, he simply answered, Nay. I hate you. I don't care. I have the longevity to outlast your hate, penguin. And once Calora inevitably dies, perhaps then gentlemen will wish to travel the realms with me. Anyway, you are correct, Issa. You have recited the exact verbiage employed in the Empire's newest amendment. The third anniversary of the final colony's signing on is going to be celebrated in just under two weeks. Sir Gnome and I have returned as well, Lord Grimlock. The straps on his armor haven't been oiled in quite some time, so they snapped and he fell into the stalls. Stalls? Plural? My left and right got split, Lady Chameleon. I think my feet are on backwards. Wait, wait, wait. Roll it back a sec. Amendment 8 is only three years old and it's your newest? Isn't your empire over 10,000 years old or something? Indeed, that is the rough age of the holy and venerable Empire of Voladros. We've only just gotten to the Eighth Amendment because we were very good at settling our issues in the original Articles of Conglomeration. So this means I have rights and privileges? out of the arena with you guys was definitely a good decision. You have responsibilities, too, so this is probably the worst good decision you'll ever make, Steve. Anyway, what's new, Kalora? What have you and Lorelai been up to? Well, before we came here, we were on a ship full of bluff, wind-burnt sailors, and a big old squiddly-widdly came up to give the boat a hug. Oh, and six other boats came over to say hi and play with the Squiddly. All of them flying black flags with smiley Sir Gnome faces. What in the ever-bleeding names of Makar's enemies are you talking about? Pirates. We were attacked by pirates while a Kraken was trying to drown us. 
We, um... Oh, how do I put this for Lorelai? We gave them our ship to play hide-and-seek with mermaids in. <laughs> That's right. We put all the pirates on our ship, then let the Kraken carry them down to the briny depths. Ah, how I miss my ship. But I suppose I can always buy a new one. So, I raise a toast to the Dock Stallion and her crew. May Davy Jones not see fit to haunt me with their ghosts. To the Dock Stallion! I wish I'd left Sir Gnome on there! To happy times with mermaids! Mmm, mermaid jerky. Mm, I should send out a reclamation crew. Toasts are just weak prayers. Those pirates got the end they deserved. Sir Gnome, why didn't you raise a glass for the memory of Kalora's crew? Do you wish them ill or something? No, Master. I bear no ill will, Master. It's just that you said I'm not allowed to drink anything because it just spills out onto the carpet. Oh, right. And I don't want to chance you getting drunk. You're bumbling enough as it is. But it's still rude not to raise your glass and drink during a toast. Katharan, do you have a solution to this predicament? I suppose I do, Katharan. Sir Gnome, I place this gaius upon you. Whenever you feel a toast coming on, you are to fetch a tall glass of whatever floor polish or carpet shampoo might be appropriate, and then you toast with that. That way, you're not being rude, and the floors get cleaned to boot. Perfect! Let's drink to that! Yes, Master Thorfinlay. Good. Now that that's finished, Zodome! I want you to go back into the stables and put yourself together properly. Don't come back until you're fixed. And I'm not talking about spaying yourself again. Yes, Kalora, why did you name your ship the Duck Stallion anyway? It was named after gentlemen's first love. There's nothing quite as breathtaking as two mighty stallions frolicking free in the meadows. That's mostly correct, I guess, if you use a... Uh, <clears throat> A more carnal definition of love and totally forget the definition of first. Either way, gentlemen always whinnied appreciatively whenever we went to visit that particular port. Appreciatively? Maybe it was seductively. I'm good with horses, but their language is a little subtle for me at times. I'm not sure I know how I'm supposed to feel about a seductive whinny. Well, there's only one way to find out. You need to try to date a horse. Look, I'm not sure what all of you furry types are into, but we elves do not go about making centaurs all willy-winny. I'm not a furry. I have scales. Yeah, she lays eggs, and she's not a platypus or an owlbear, so there's a 0% chance of fur. Well, that's an abomination. Yes, I'm inclined to agree. Do any of the rest of you lay eggs, too? No. Absolutely not. Only on stage and only on Jove days after 11.30 p.m. Yes? Well, that's a personal question. A proper demure lady does not speak about her egg-laying or other reproductive habits. Yeah, you don't see us asking if your vestigial male nipples actually do anything. Uh, well, uh, well, uh, okay, yeah, I actually kind of get what you mean. 
Because what I do with my nipples is my business and nobody else's! As long as you cover them up in public, unless you're a barbarian. Showing nipples is part of barbarian culture, you know? Actually, such body shaming as our culture engages in proves to be counterproductive in virtually all circumstances. Besides that, male nipples can be productive. Under the right circumstances, of course. I heard a story about that once. You see, there were once these brothers in the Great War of Ypres. I've heard of that war. Those were some pretty dire circumstances. Is that the kind you meant, Eminond? I'm just gonna put this out there. You elves are really weird. If you have a story about nipples that starts with two male siblings going to war. No, no, Chameleon. Your vocabulary of war is sorely lacking. He meant brother as in a band of brothers. Have you learned nothing from the sermons that Makar has seen fit to so infernally inspire me with? Wait, a band of brothers? Such as the sons of Han? Those three young, blonde elven bards who first grew to fame for their song, Makar Ba'al. Open parentheses, all's quiet when the Warfather passes by. Close parentheses. The ones who coincidentally haven't been seen since they played a private event at the Swamp Pyramid. No, the Hansun's brotherly bards are most certainly not what he meant. He meant more of a company of companions out for equal shares of loot and booty. Loot and booty, eh? Kelora, I never knew you played We are a... not doing that gag again, Romande. Besides, as much as I love Kelora, she flubbed the setup. Ah, well. Now at least I don't have to tell you the rest of a very depressing story that ends with the whole company succumbing to a bad case of the Bee Gees. You had that once, didn't you, Katharan? From that Frankish girl who kept following us around through the plains of liberty, fraternity, and egalité? I asked you not to mention that again, Thrumlock. And besides, I went to a cleric of Dion Kecht immediately after that trip, so everything is cleared up anyway. How dare you go to a cleric of some piddly healing god? Makar is more displeased than ever. You won a battle with venereal disease, but you took a divine shortcut to do so. What's a venereal disease? Does it have something to do with veins? Well, you see... <laughs> yep, all to do with veins. It's when your veins constrict or, uh, something painful. Guys, come on, she's pure, sweet, and innocent, and I'd like to not spoil that for a little longer. Let's switch topics and toast the crew of the Dark Stallion again. They were loyal and fierce, despite my not having paid them in months. Well, I'm the king of not paying my hirelings. Take Sonome! Please, just get him out of my sight! He's not in your sight, Thrym. Sonome is back at the stables with Gentleman and Spirit of the Swift Wind. Besides, you're blind! Thrymlock, you don't pay your hirelings, and yet you somehow remember to pay your taxes. Hey, I have principles! Besides, in all the years we've been adventuring, they've only found us to ask for our taxes once! And I'm pretty sure Sonome lost most of it. Okay, I can see that you guys have a lot to catch up on, and you're 
are not all that interested in finding out whatever it is that Lou Waka or Waka wants you to do, so let's skip ahead again. You're all well into your cups when suddenly every elf and half-elf in the bar snaps to rigid attention. Their lips peel away from their teeth in horrible, rictus grimaces as they stand with all muscles taut for a long minute. They blankly stare into the ceiling as they begin to speak in unison. Hello? Is this thing on? You have the honor of being contacted by His Excellency. Give me that trinket, you fool. We have no time for pleasantries. This is the Emperor himself. I am reaching out to all forces in the field, to all strike teams, to our allies, and to our enemies. Sound Scar, the holy city of Malatros, and the Weavens is under attack. The ongoing end has returned. And our knights and magi are not enough to hold back the flood. If they take the gateways in the harbor, then all is lost. They will ravage and consume all worlds that our empire has touched. Whether you love us or hate us, you must send your armies. You can kill us all later if you get the chance. We at least would die knowing that there will be a All of the vocal conduits relax and regain control of their bodies. Come, my flock. The hand of Makar moves the throat, lungs, and tongue of these elves. The Emperor himself is in peril, and we must away to find one side or another in that battle. Visit the 20-Sided Theater online at 20sidedtheater.com and follow us on Twitter through the scryomagical links that Master Lenanian and I have established. You can follow Romande at Illustrious Row, Thrimlock at Thrimlock, Isa Featherfoot at Lady Featherfoot and Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit OTSW. Follow me at Shenuda Necroco. Scry us for a quote. We bring out the best in your dead. The 20 Sided Theater is a joint production of Bear Industries and the Shenuda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenanti, Natalie Abenanti, Bergler Aufenbedeutet, Becky Chambers, Blake Parker, Caridwin Quatrin, Kian Quatrin, Rory Quatrin, and Tony Scarufi. The special thanks to Jim Calling for the use of Still Manani, the druid of the Frozen Summit. Written by Rory Quatrin and edited by Blake Parker. Music by Bjorn C, a.k.a. Wonky Tonky, Detenado, Douglas M. Violinist, Dual Tracks, Fire Age, Cubby and Jonas Dam, Michael Majorana, Multiated, NWP 8861, Stephen O'Brien, 
and VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. And as a final thank you, I have an announcement and an endorsement. Kelora Tamlin, uh, Becky Chambers has written some books of scientific and speculative fictions. Go find The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet at your favorite local bookshop or merchant on the internal net. And be on the lookout for A Closed and Common Orbit, wherever only the finest fictions are sold. You can find out more about Becky Chambers and her writings at otherscribbles.com. Now let me tell you a God's honest truth. The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet is one of the best reads you'll ever come across, with unparalleled characterizations and descriptions of truly alien beings. And you can trust me on that. See? No bluff check. Join us next time at the 20-Sided Theater! Hey, Steve! You look a little down. What's the matter? Well, you remember how Maldreth, Grimlock, and Imanon offered to make me a positive energy undead lizard person? I'm kind of regretting that decision. What in the frozen hells were you doing listening to the advice of those three weirdos? Well, I asked Romandi what he thought, and he said, Meh. What are you looking to get out of it, Steve? I said I wanted to be able to spend more time around Imanon and that plutonium elemental so I could become a mutant ninja chameleon. But I didn't want to get sick from all the radiation they were giving off. That sounds like a terrible plan, Steve. Well, Romande just said, I suppose that could work. And kind of shrugged and walked off. So I took that as a sign to go ahead with the procedure. But now, since I'm undead and my cells aren't dividing, I can't ever possibly become a mutant. That was dumb of you. It sounds like you talked yourself into a dangerous and stupid procedure just because Roman Day was standing near you. I know he's charismatic, but he's also a self-centered ass. That was definitely not an endorsement. Indeed it was not. For you will know without a doubt whenever the irremunerable Romandes Warfinde makes an endorsement. Hi, I'm Romandes Warfinde, bard in extraordinaire, and I endorse food. Are you hungry? Will you be hungry at some time in the future? You should try a wide variety of foodstuffs that can be found virtually anywhere in uncountable varieties of shapes, textures, and flavors. Food. It's really good. Eat food today. I am Romandes Warfinde, and I endorse this product. Ahem. Amendment 8 to the Imperial Articles of Conglomeration clearly states, All beings shall be defined as purses. 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 All beings are now purses. So, and she had to cover for sort of as a drinking problem. <laughs>
That's canon now. <laughs>